This is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we are going to talk about cybersecurity with an expert guest uh, in the booth that is going to either tell you how to protect yourself uh, from cybersecurity, or I guess if you want to take it this way, you can learn how to be a a criminal. Um, And (laughs) he'll, I guess, kind of touch on that as well. So depending on what your... what you're feeling today, what your uh, you know flavor of the day is, you know we'll we'll cover both sides of it, but hopefully adequately freaks you out too, right? Well, you can never do these things without having people like this to scare the hell out of you because it's like, oh my god, like tomorrow, you know, my entire computer and my financial life is going to crash because you know somebody in some foreign off land is going to steal all my stuff. Well, and maybe not having your password for everything be <laughs> fluffy one two three, right? I mean, I, just capitalizing fluffy does not protect you. See, mine's fine because I I just use password, but I capitalize the W. <laughs> see, so I'm fine. I'm I'm good. Or you use a zero for the O. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ooh. I do like that idea. Secure. Oh, I might be doing. I that. put a space in between pass and word. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Underscore. So. <laughs> The um, no, the topic is uh, is one that uh, we feel it has uh, a lot of uh, revel- you know the, the the relevance of it is not uh, based on you know kind of time of the year or what year it is. This this is just kind of uh, something we're going to have to deal with as a as a society from uh, from from here on in because there's no way that our lives are getting simpler and there's no way that uh, the criminals that are are doing these things are getting less sophisticated it's only becoming more sophisticated and it's becoming uh, uh an issue that's affecting kind of the everyday person and so mike baus is here we've known mike for a long time we appreciate you being on uh why don't you just give a, a brief background as to uh what makes you uh want to be in cybersecurity? and one thing too mike before we go into this his title is named account manager government and education from uh, palo alto networks uh Explain to me what a named account manager is. Does it actually say that on his card? Yes, Let it me does. See. It does say, it does say named account manager. That means that there's a subset of accounts within the state of Wisconsin that I manage. Oh. Usually the bigger guys. So is there somebody running around with a card that says unnamed account manager? Maybe just account manager. Oh well, that's not as. I would want unnamed on mine if that was my job. <laughs> if I knew somebody had that. Is there such thing as a senior named account manager? I'm not there yet. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Well, right. you know. welcome, Mike. Thanks that for joining. Your old, you're welcome. No, I, so cybersecurity is, is is going to be and it has been uh, um, an issue. And you're right, Nate. It's never ending. There's not a time of year thing, but actually, this is a time of year where cybersecurity and attacks are heightened because of it's tax season, mm. and there's a lot of uh, credential theft and identity theft going on right now. Um, Christmas time is a big one for for uh, financial theft, um, credit card fraud. But right now, uh, identity theft is, is big right now. And, and way, there's that's one of the tactics that cyber, cyber criminals do is try to steal your credentials. Um, but there's about there's three different main ways of attacks. And that is the first one, credential theft. The second is um, 
malicious software, and we all know what ransomware is. Uh, if you don't know what ransomware is, it's software that encrypts your data on your computer or your servers, um, and the bad guy, the cyber criminal out there, makes you pay for, uh, for the decryption key. And uh, there are, uh, it goes up and down the gamut of, of just encrypting your, your personal laptop, your personal computer, all the way to a large corporation getting all their servers encrypted. And um, obviously the, 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 big, the big fish there is, it could be hundreds of thousands of, or maybe even million dollars of ransom that, that um, a, a cyber criminal might, might demand. There's lots of ways to prevent that. We can get into that in another show if you'd like. But the third um, way that cyber criminals go after money is crypto mining. Um, and a crypt cryptocurrency like Bitcoin is is legitimate uh, legitimate currency, um, and there's legitimate ways to mine it, and that that is buy your own powerful compute servers and mine bit Bitcoin. Um, but cyber criminals can put software on your computer or on your servers that mine it fraudulently. Obviously, they're using your power, your energy, your CPU. They're draining your battery. They're using your, your uh, like an Amazon Web Services uh, in the cloud compute space. They, you pay money for CPU, for, for compute power, and they, they might, uh, criminals may steal your credentials to, um, to utilize those resources as well. So how do you identify if you have this sort of software on your own computer? Um, if you have ransomware, you'll know about it. Cause, yeah, cause yeah, you can't get in anywhere, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, crypto, uh, crypto mining software, um, you, you see uh, anomalies um, on your computer. Like, it's, it's slow. It might be running uh, exceptionally slow. If you're off, if you're off the, uh, the charger, you'll see that the battery drains a lot faster. Um, there's even crypto mining uh, software for Android phones and Apple phones where you'll see your battery going down very quickly. And, you, and if, if you do have crypto mining software in your cloud environments, you might see a really big bill from Amazon that month. Um, obviously, that, that's, the, that's when it's on there, but there are ways to prevent it. You, know, there, you can look for, uh, you can have products that can search for malicious software, any virus scanner, or, or have software that, that can uh, stop malicious behavior. Uh, on the computers or in servers. So it's generally a pretty good idea uh, for people to open any attachment that's been forwarded to them by 18 other people before them, primarily jokes, right? We should be <laughs> opening all of that stuff and then wondering why our computers are completely infected. You know, my mom... <laughs> Every like three years, get some sort of crippling virus at our computer that somebody has to take off, and she just insists that it just shows up. So I think that's great. You know, are, are you are you implying that your your mom is potentially um, opening things that shouldn't be open? I think that her favorite thing to open is maybe a good old zip file or a little mm. exe. Oh. Just let's get this done. Yes. I, I like that this sound that Mike makes is just. A, mm. <laughs> <laughs> For those that we're not we're not videoing these, these podcasts yet, so I'll just illustrate it. There was a squirm that Mike did too, and yes. he made that like like somebody had just caused him pain. Yeah, thank God. Spam filtering has gotten really good. I don't know. I, I use Gmail and Yahoo Mail, and boy, that, I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of it is of the bad stuff does get caught by the spam filters, but some of it does get through. Don't click on links. Don't open software that you don't know who it's from. 
right? That's that's the bottom line. Don't open any file or don't click on links unless you know the person that sent it to you. Even then, it might be it might be spoofed. Well, I think the the good point there is is okay, you get it from your friend Bill, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is if Bill got it forwarded to him from you know eighteen people before him, even though it's from Bill, that virus is is potentially sourced you know eighteen people ago, is it not? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and it could be uh, something that was automatically forwarded because his his because his email is compromised, right? And and, and it, it is actually from him, but he didn't send it. Does that make sense? Yeah, because his his credentials maybe may have been stolen. Well, we're seeing uh, more people get uh, Facebook accounts compromised, mm-hmm. more of their own email accounts. You'll get some weird emails. And I know they're getting a lot more sophisticated now, too, as far as the messaging that's in it. You know, mm-hmm. before it was all, you know, it was all littered by uh, with a bunch of different, you know, bad English and things like that. And, and now they've just gotten a lot better at, at targeting. And so if you get compromised, if you're, you know that your Yahoo or Gmail does get compromised, what should you do? Change your password. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yahoo and Google do uh, allow for multi-factor authentication. I don't know if you, if your listeners would know what that is, but typically it's it's not just a username and a password. It may send a notification to your cell phone, and you'd have to enter a, a code. I mean, you got it by via text. That's very strong. I recommend doing that on all your accounts if if it's if it's available. For sure, and you're sure that Google has that option that you can they do yeah, that for your mail. Yeah. Okay. As a matter of fact, I, I I do not allow. Um, I personally do not allow a password to, to log into my Google account. It has to be multi-factor. Huh. Interesting. Also, use a password manager. Um, there are free ones out there, and if you are a Google or a Chrome user, they have a really good one. Google has a really good uh, password manager. As a matter of fact. It, you also are able to have it generate passwords for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and they're very strong 20-letter passwords that have punctuation and all the good stuff in there, and they're unguessable, nearly unguessable. Yeah, and we use 1Password in the office. And that's good. We've used that for a number of years, and that's, that's been really nice. You know, plus it goes through your all, all your different devices in right. the Apple environment, so it's nice that It's way interesting in, those, in that way, though, because when you use it, you don't actually know your password no. for all of these sites that you're logging into. Like you don't even know it because, as Mike said, it's it's a combination of letters and numbers and symbols, which is what it's supposed to be. But you don't have to remember it, and I think that's what's so valuable about it is you just go to your one password and it dumps it in there for you because it recognizes the URL, the website that you're at, and that's another way. You started to mention um, the emails and the phishing emails, ph, right? The phishing emails, and there's also something that's called spear phishing. Spear phishing is what is kind of what you talked about. Uh, what what users what the bad guys look for is they actually go into their social media accounts of maybe it's a CEO of a company, they go into social media accounts, they see what their wife's doing, they see what their kids are doing, and they can really tailor a message that makes it look like their wife is sending an email or make it believable. They click on here because I, I know about you, right? We know each other, um, so th- those are tough too. But what's great about password managers is that. If you go to a site that looks like a site that you should be logging into, it won't enter the credentials into that site because it doesn't match the URL. It doesn't match the the, the URL. Oh, interesting. So if you had yeah. a if you had a password for whatever whatever it was, you know, I don't let's even say know, it's Netflix. It's Netflix, right? So, and you somehow got compromised, and so the person created kind of a fake net uh, Netflix. Yep site that yep. they wanted you to change your password on. Yep. If you're using one of these password managers, it will not dump your normal password Correct. in there. Wow. That's, that's why that's they're so a, powerful. That's a, that's a good call out for people to start using that for sure. So face, face ID and touch ID, is that technically like a, 
a multi-factor authentication? Yes. Is that what you would call it? It okay. is. Well, authentication, there's, there's three ways to identify yourself. It's who you are, what you know, and I forgot the third. Oh, my gosh. Can we <laughs> wow, edit this, this out? This going to be awesome. When, when Mike gets back to the office, he's going to no, be No, we, we don't edit anything off. No, as I'm saying, yeah. when he gets back to the office, the, the, he's going to get whoever the the un, no. unnamed account manager is going to yeah, come after. The Mike district sales manager is not going to get this <laughs> podcast link. <laughs> we'll give you until the rest of the episode. We'll edit this out. Yeah, yeah it's, it's we we do a lot of clear creative editing. Actually, we don't, but no, that's fine. I don't think we've ever. I don't think Mitch knows how to he's, edit that. He's 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 in trouble now. Yeah, that's he's, true. You know, that's so. true. So uh, back to kind of ransomware, I, I did want to ask a question on how does ransomware actually occur? Is it still one of those link things that somebody clicks on a link and then all of a sudden they're encrypted? Yeah, it's, it's either, it's either a, a, you click on a link which ends up downloading a piece of malware or you actually have a piece of malware on an email and you open it. Okay, so if you've downloaded the malware, you actually have to open the malware or is it, or is it self-launching then? If you click on a link, it, it could self-launch. Okay. Yeah, but if it's if it's a PDF file, uh, a, a, a weaponized PDF file, you, you had you would have to double click on that. Okay, and, and I know that in my system preferences too, um, and I'm in a Mac environment. But uh, you know, in order to download software on there, you can set it where it doesn't automatically download. Right? right. It's a trigger where it kind of blocks it and says, "Hey, are you sure about this?" Yeah, that's that's good too. Yeah, and never enable, never enable macros within a Word document or a. Or an Excel file, unless you know, you know who it belongs to. That's a good safety feature that Microsoft put in: is that they they did not enable, um, you know, the, the advanced features automatically when you open a file. It was interesting because I, I had a, a buddy of mine that was reading this book in terms of of um, just I don't even know what the book was centered around, but anyways, he was talking about this phishing attacks that we've all seen, where it's like, you know, the, the punctuation is terrible and the you know there's misspellings everywhere. And, there's actually a method behind why they do it that way. It's intentionally done that way because if they make it more clean and, and more even um, kind of undetectable, they'll get so many people that will respond to it that they don't know who the easy targets are. So they make it so like bad in a way that if you actually respond to it, the, in a way you shouldn't, uh, i.e., I, yes, I'll, I'll help you with you know whatever money you're asking for, they know your likelihood to then actually give them that money is so high because you responded to the first email that it just makes it more efficient for them to do that as opposed to trying to find out of all the people that responded who will actually give them money. So it's actually by design that it's written that way. Just so crazy to think about. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, that, that but you know, at, at the end of the day, it's we still hear people that, that respond to these. Yeah. So sure, even yeah. today we have people I know, that, that I know say, multiple people that haven't scammed before. You know. Yeah, and I also heard that um, you know, one of the things, one of the tactics way back in the day was, and this is more domestic, but they would scatter uh, flash drives in a parking mm -hmm. lot. People would plug them into their computer. Sure. Like, right. Let me just see what's on this. That to me <laughs> seems like a really bad idea, but I, you could see like it happens. Well, how about giveaways at, at trade shows? USB USB drives, thumb drives. That could be. That could have malicious software on it, couldn't it? Oh. There, okay, there's there's your well, there's more than one scary point, but that that's one scary scary moment right there in the whole podcast. Think about that one. Like that's one you don't really normally think. Yeah, about. Yeah, I, like, I would never huh. think about that. Yeah, but it's in it's in an open plastic bag, so it must be secure. I mean, it's <laughs> it's brand new. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything's so cheap now too to plug that all in. You know, it's, it's right. It's so inexpensive to produce them. So if you bought a hundred thousand of them and scattered them all over the place, sure, and gave them out at a trade right. show. I mean. How many computers could you get into? 
Is it a pretty safe bet that if somebody's buying a a um, uh, you know a thumb drive like that off of Amazon that it's safe, or is there something that even people should look for when buying a thumb drive? Don't use thumb drives. Oh, interesting. How about that? When's the last time you used a th- thumb drive? Well, we use well with this we use you know when okay. we're recording podcasts. Well, that's stuff. but that's an SD. That's an, that's an SD card. SD card right? yeah. could be the same, could yeah. be the same issue, but I mean, it, with with cloud storage and and file sharing being so easy online with Box and Dropbox and Google Drive, I mean, you could use that instead of. So that's your argument is to say don't use a thumb drive because you can use the more or less endless, although albeit for a cost, endless storage yeah. capabilities of. Google Drive and, and the other ones that are out there. If there's an option, yeah, but obviously some people have to use thumb drives and SD cards and things like that, and that's great. They should, they should. But I would, if you're going to purchase something, I would purchase it in a store. Okay, in a store, yeah. like you know, factory packaged, yep. kind of that whole deal. Okay, you never know sense. what comes off Amazon. Although you know, Amazon does have trusted products, Amazon Basics and things like that. So you know, um, but just make sure it's from a trusted vendor. Sure. Yeah. And uh, just from your opinion, would you say that Windows? And Apple products now are basically the same amount of security now that as Windows kind of caught up. I mean, Mac was all seen as being this closed mm-hmm. infrastructure, and you know the whole thing was, oh, I can't get a, I can't get a virus out of a Mac, which we all know isn't true. But has they have, have they all kind of come up to a level playing field? Now? The only reason why Windows is attacked more is because there's more of it. Okay, um, right. it, but so but Mac is just as as vulnerable um, to things like ransomware. Hmm. That's interesting. You kind of get this like Mac ego that people have of yeah. like, I'm bulletproof because I use a Mac and it's just because there's significantly more Windows products. Is yeah, that, go is ahead that and click on that link with your Mac. It's okay. That, right? <laughs> no, it's not okay. <laughs> it comes down to the user. A lot of times it does. Well, not, you know, <laughs> as a network security guy, you got to think about that. You know, you're right. just like, oh, it's, it's the user. You're Are we going to bring your mom in here at one point on a future security podcast to say like, okay, <laughs> she'll, she likes to listen to these, so I feel bad because sometimes I kind of make fun of it. But I, I think that a lot of people, you know, her age, do this the same thing. It's I mean, about trust. Yeah, it is, right? And trust is a yeah. vulnerability that, that the attackers exploit. Think about that one. Um, they, they know that people are trustworthy, so they go after their heartstrings and they, they exploit that trust. Yeah, I think it's it's funny because so many of these things, um, just in, in terms of keeping yourself just safe throughout the, 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 the general day, is just being aware. And if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. And I think that that's probably good a good rule of thumb there is if you get a phone call or an email or some strange thing from somebody, probably should take it a second or two to check it out before just following down the path. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Mike, is there an example that you have of kind of an extreme example of cybersecurity gone wrong yeah that you can give that you you don't have to name names it'll be in generalities yeah i can provide some generalities there is a school district that was that was is my customer um and they had a teacher bring home a laptop looking at their gmail and got the emotet virus and the emotet virus is a piece of is a piece of ransomware but it also spreads quickly once it's back on the network uh, so that teacher brought the laptop home was off the network where it was protected downloaded some some malware went back the next day to school and the virus spread oh. quickly oh, oh, oh man we were able to help them mitigate the damage they had some backups that they could go back and and, and, sure. uh, and restore some of the computers but they lost probably a week a day, week's worth of data 
needless to say, they they have expanded their uh, environment and their uh, of Palo Alto networks within their within their environment, and, and and they're protected today. So, how do you protect somebody when they're at home? Then is it more that they're using like a virtual desktop environment? Is that that's what? one way? Okay, that's one way. But also that um, if it's a corporate situation, you'd have your users connect to the corporate virtual private network VPN. Or have um, uh, antivirus or endpoint protection that that can protect them wherever they are. Uh, okay, let's let's briefly move into. Um, I'm a I'm a business person and I like to work at a coffee shop. Uh, walk me through the the perils of you know what that looks like by way of either a public network or I've even heard of people that the, the, the criminal will come in and, and, and represent themselves as just a business person working in a coffee shop where on their computer they have, um, you know, not screen scraping technology necessarily, but they have, you know, um, software designed to, to kind of infiltrate the people that are there. So, so how do people protect themselves in that scenario? You would need to get a VPN, a virtual private network. You can get their publicly available ones for a couple of dollars a month. Um, that that um, direct your data. It, it, it's a virtual private network. It's a tunnel to the internet, but it's a secure tunnel to the internet. Um, you're also protecting yourself from um, any ISP. Like if you have Charter or whatever, and you don't want them to see what you're doing, you can have a virtual private network. Of course, the the VPN provider could see what you're you're, you're doing uh, online or or uh, it, but that's the person you trust because you're paying them five dollars a month or whatever the, the, the amount is so that's the only way that's really the only way to protect yourself on public wireless is is, is employ some sort of vpn and i've noticed that the vpns now don't slow down your computer no. as much as the previous ones did i mean i'm not i'm not noticing a whole lot of speed difference at all when i use a vpn don't i mean it, it and it also depends on on how much inspection you're actually doing on the vpn but but typically if you're just using a publicly available vpn there's no inspection being done it's just directing you um, through a, 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 an encrypted tunnel. It is frustrating in some ways on VPNs because there's some sites that won't, you can't get to that site if you are using a VPN, which I've noticed, which is kind of, which is an interesting. It's probably a good thing. Prob- yeah, I, I guess, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it, we've, I've tried to go to some banking sites and, and they you can't get to the site if you're going through a VPN, Okay, which is an interesting, like I've, I've not, that, there's a recent um, kind of problem that I ran into. The, the VPNs typically can be configured so that they can that they'll allow that, and, unless it's something on the bank on the bank's side. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't I haven't heard of that one too much. It's a good thing when they're blocking malicious sites, though, right? If you have a VPN that's blocking actual malware, known malware sites, known right. phishing sites, known command and control sites, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time today, Mike, to go through how we can kind of protect ourselves and some of the pitfalls of. Uh, all of this cybersecurity because it's it's extremely important. And we're seeing, you know, every once in a while we, we hear about a terrible client story. And, you know, if you end up in a ransomware situation or anything and you had the opportunity to protect yourself, you save yourself a lot of money if you just employ some of these tactics. So thanks for joining us today. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Give Me Some Truth. you got to leave your money behind you. Raise your hand. Ask the masses for silence Look more dead in the eye
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.